0: Hi, I'm Jen Drummond. Welcome to Seek Your Summit. As a mom, a business owner, and the first female to climb the seven second summits, I realize that the mountains we climb are a part of our success. And it is up to us to go beyond that success into a life of significance. Listen in as I share personal stories and interview others who have led a life of both success and significance, and now they are paying it forward. Friends, today we have Lori Wallace on the podcast. Hello, Lori.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here today.
0: Oh, I'm so excited you're here. Interview Valet introduced us. I love all of their people. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Shout out to them. Yes. Yes. Okay, so tell us, Lori, in a nutshell, give us a little bit of background.
1: 20 years plus, I have been an executive recruiter, and the reason why I did that was to practice radical kindness, and oh. the reason why I felt I needed to do that hot and heavy was because I was eight months pregnant when the Twin Towers fell, oh. and I went into labor in my oh. living room. My oh. husband whipped me on over to the hospital. I was there with many women. There were a lot of babies born on that day. Was there really? Really?
0: Oh, Where yes. were you living in the country?
1: Tell me that. I was in the Bay Area. So I was okay. in Oakland. Okay. And with the first tower, I thought this is a devastating accident. And as soon as I realized that it was part of the trauma of the world, um, and I had a new baby, my first and only that I was bringing, I wish I had a whole clan like you. Next life, oh. I get to Next be Next life.
0: You can come visit me anytime. You'll be like, whoa, that one was a blessing. These seven are expensive. <laughs> seven lucky number.
1: Yes. Uh, so, you know, it was quite a day. There were so many women in there, but thanks to the doctors and the pharmacists, kept my baby in, but was laid off. I didn't think you could do that when you just had a baby. Um, but yeah. I was laid off. I was an executive at a bank. I was uh, during those days where we had um, cold calling. You remember? Yes, when we? I remember calling? that. Like I literally got my first
0: job as a financial advisor and I showed up to work. And I'm like, hi, I'm Jen. I'm the new financial advisor. She's like, sweet. There's a phone book and a booth and a phone. I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm not call center. And she's like, honey, it's the same thing. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the day. Now we can tell on our phones if we know the person and it yes. even says probably spam. Exactly. You know, so. And
0: those probably spams do not get answered over here.
1: It's so different. And that was my job you know, across the nation. And I thought, wait a minute, I need to practice radical kindness and ultimately my recruiter recruited me to be a recruiter so I moved to Oregon okay. and took a pay cut from 180,000 to 40,000 draw. That's not even real money. You have to give it back next month. Right. So that right. was a big choice and I did it because I wanted to as I mentioned practice practice kindness but what I found out was recruiting in general is very very selfish. And um, it's just about money. It was really just about sales. And I came in to help people in this liminal transitional space. My uh, general manager would be counting the minutes and I'm saying, hey, I need an hour with this person. They've been let go. Their spouse is terribly afraid and anxious. They have a child that needs special needs. You know, They need help. So I quit and I started my own agency and I just said, hey, there's not enough love here. So I'm gonna change recruiting from headhunting to human connection And that's the beginning that's led now to career Ecology, just flooded it with human and beautiful feminine values.
0: Oh my goodness, I love this. And do you recruit for a specific arena? Like sometimes people are headhunters for doctors or lawyers or different
1: specialties. Yes, actually it turned out uh, it was healthcare for me. Uh, okay. because when I came out of college, uh, I really wanted to work with terminally ill children at the time. Oh my you gosh. Know, like, can you, oh, I know a mother can of seven. Imagine. Don't even what? want to think. <laughs> no. Um, and I knew that you can see my theme is I want to be there when people hard. are in pain. Hard. Yeah, you, you are. Know? That's it. That's it. So healthcare it was, and I have worked with CEOs. I've helped hospitals hire CEOs and I've helped Administrative assistants come in and, and hire for that. That support CEOs and lab yep. assistants up through directors and VPs, all through healthcare from you know these last twenty years. And that's we're talking through the Great Recession, which was a yes. very very difficult time, and right. through COVID, it's been very interesting.
0: Oh my goodness! What was worse, the like two thousand seven eight crisis or through the COVID crisis?
1: Oh my gosh, that is such. astute question i usually offer up and tell people it really was the great recession but i don't think that's what one would think you know um COVID being so global and and terrifying and all the people that that died but you know what from a psychic standpoint even though i would say we had you know we have this cultural issue that occurred was very psychic very psychological but in 2008 9 Um, When that was going on, and we've seen the movies, the, the collapse, the global collapse, we were just moments away from that. That fear somehow did permeate very quickly. Whereas if you remember with COVID at the beginning, it was a little bit like, oh, this is different and get to work out of home and make some bread. Yeah. Remember? right, right, right. So- no, right.
0: I, I like I did COVID in Hawaii. Okay. So I'm like, if this is all blowing up, we're going to be at the beach. I'm just letting you know. So there you go. Yeah, yeah,
1: right. yeah. Like, it,
0: was, it wasn't, it, I don't know. I just didn't have the doomsday energy around it, even though it was a lot of tragedy for me, at least.
1: Right. There was something yeah. very different and opening and we had the hope that it would bring us together. But of course it was very real and showed where our fractures were, which is yeah. real. So I'm saying, okay, now I know where, where there's more pain. But what happened in eight nine was this fear of if we have this full financial collapse, that there would be mass layoffs and that people wouldn't be able to just work out of home. They'd have no jobs. Um, I actually have one client who was murdered by one of his employees as a result of this overwhelming fear that overtook his rational mind. Um, wow. I, I was in Northern California and the, the tent cities just popped up and were just absolutely everywhere. And I had friends that were single, single women who were afraid to be going through this time without a partner. And I remember some of them even just struggling with love and really realizing, you know, I want to have some sort of security, a partner. So I saw a lot going on. That was, that was harder, kind of more in a spike way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Until, yeah. And it, it set me on a path of, I would say 2008, eight nine was really the path that brought me to career ecology, which is what I'm doing now um, because believe it or not, and I know you will appreciate this actually, given how you climbed up that seven mountains after a car accident, um, obviously you were cracked wide open And, um, and, and vulnerable.
0: I'm like, don't make decisions and vulnerability. You might find yourself on the top of seven mountains in seven different countries and seven (laughs) different continents.
1: (laughs) That's so amazing. I just love that. And within two, three, what was it? Three years?
0: Yeah. Two and a half years from when it started. Yeah. Oh my
1: God. That's some mighty uh, life force going on there. And, um, but you know, you obviously were cracked wide open, put into a new path, so when 2008 came and i saw the depth of loneliness and fear i tried something then um which was a huge failure but actually not because right. it was the beginning of my entering into the idea of trying to help thousands if not millions um and i started something called Kula love at the time and what that was was a dating site that okay. um, I know, because my girlfriends were saying, I got to plug my nose and get on match.com. I don't like the way I'm treated there. So I thought, well, let's bring in authenticity. Let's match people at a place of passion and truly knowing each other. So I built the whole thing over two years with a laid off engineer. And when I sent it off electronically to some auditors in Ireland, after three days, they came back and said, well, you could probably fit 10 people on this before it breaks. Oh, no. (laughs) So, yeah, the programmer had, unfortunately, um, every time there was a change, he had not taken out the old code. So what that taught me, though, was that what it meant and and the process for how to intelligently scale um, human support, uh, you know, as a recruiter working one-on-one, maybe I'm helping 20 people in a year. But at Mm -hmm. that time, I knew And I think you're doing this with your podcast. You know, how can we reach as many people as destiny will allow us to connect to that need a healing message about authenticity, that Mm -hmm. you are free outside the box that you were born into, or as you develop, that you're told you belong. And that's as far as you can go. How does it actually serve life, love, the planet, all of us, if we crash out of that and decide to show up as we are? And that's what's led me to this post-COVID moment with career Ecology and why I'm here with you today. And so
0: do you feel it was, I mean, because obviously you're a tender heart, right? Yeah. Everything you've kind of been on the path of is just love and taking care of people in pain. Yeah. Um, but do you feel that when that dating app didn't go, Was that kind of a line in the sand that like, hey, this is a pivot to another way and I need to put all my energy this direction?
1: You are amazingly psychic. I am just getting, I'm freaking out with every single question you're asking. It's amazing. Um, Yeah. You know, last night when I was going to sleep, I was thinking that you and I, I'm getting my truth tears right now. I was thinking that we are going to connect and on this topic and what you've done in your life, (laughs) feeling it. And, and I was thinking about, You know, what were the greatest challenges, the biggest mountains? And there are so many in my 58 years that have been quite traumatic, you know, at at a physical, practical, emotional level. But the most important one I realized when I went to sleep that kind of was with me and I woke up with was finding my voice as a woman. Um, I was raised to be compliant. And that's not only because of my parenting. They loved me, but they were 50s parents. Um, but growing up in, in this country that we're in and maybe the world is this way too. Um, but you know, women were here to ho- go ahead and support the system as it's been built, um, uh, which was pretty much men around the table and not women, you know, so it wasn't there. And, uh, and so I learned pretty early on how to come in and make sure that I didn't take any space in the room. How could I, I would come into these meetings as an executive at the bank and I would literally tip my head and say, hi. What should we talk about? You know, it was it was a very almost animalistic signal
0: yeah. that
1: I am not going to bring my full power, so you have nothing to worry about. When two thousand and eight came, and my child at that time was six years old or so, six or seven, and I'm married to my soulmate, all of these experiences cracked me open, also with catastrophic um, autoimmune that. It was time for me to advocate uh, and listen to my own voice because I couldn't be a protective mother if I wasn't doing that. Mm -hmm. I couldn't bring the work forward and support people in the manner that they hoped and needed and expected. And my body was going to stay on multiple pills with constant rashes and all sorts of pain in my joints and, and in my gut had I not sat in front of a doctor one day and said, hey, I just Googled my symptoms. And he kicked me out, you know, he said, that's not allowed. You're not allowed to look up your own body. And I just said, well, I am sure that I have candida. I am sure I can tell from the symptoms, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've got it head to toe. And I ultimately made it to another one of my doctors who closed the door, whispered and said, I believe in this, but I'm not allowed to in our organization. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a test. We're going to see to what extent you're ill in this area. And then after that, I'm going to go ahead and just give you some free meds that come from our drug reps. And sure enough, the chart was zero to five for candida infection yeah. through your body. I was off the charts. I wasn't even at five. So he gave me all these meds. And and that was the beginning of moving outside of only allopathic medicine or having to work for another person's precisely in the way that it's been prescribed in my role, kept small, being paid less, not having the voice around the boardroom, whatever it was, and right. all the while it was for love. It wasn't out of anger. It wasn't right. out of, right.
0: was that's not connection. my archetype,
1: you right. know? Yeah,
0: right.
1: yeah. it was really truly about, if I don't show up and speak, then is love served? Um, so I, I work on that every day. Yeah, for sure.
0: Oh, I get it. And it, <laughs> I'll tell you nothing like having a kid. I think that was a big one for me, right? So I got into that car accident and it made me realize, I don't get to choose when I die, but I sure get to choose how I live. And I need to start making choices that I start living. Wow. And I just remember like sitting in my room after I came home, I hugged all my kids. They had no clue how close they were to being orphans. Wow. And I thought, man, do I want them to be this mom? And my answer was no. Right. My answer was no, because I, was, I, I, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm their parent. I'm modeling what's mm-hmm. possible for them. Yeah. I don't even want them to be what I am. So then that like next year, I started doing this bucket list and all the things I wanted to try and experience and explore and be and do and whatever. And then I started doing me again. And contrary to my prior belief, the water elevated for all of us. Yeah right? Like it wow. was just one of those things where it's like, oh, mom's happy. I have permission to be happy. Mom's excited. I have permission to be excited. Mom's doing this goal. I have a permission to go for a goal. I mean, it is amazing yeah. how much they watch,
1: Yes, right? Like yes. I
0: have a calendar on my wall that allows me to keep track of everything. My daughter's like, can I have a calendar? Um, yeah. <laughs> they're writing their goals on their calendar, right? And you're just like, it's the silliest little things that they're always keeping eye on. And when you have a child, for Me at least, and it sounds like for you, that was your accountability partner.
1: I, my son, my singular son, who's named William Wallace, by the way. So you know, I love it, little brave heart going on there. And yes. uh, he was a significant part of breaking me open. He really was that partner. A funny little story, and I wonder how often this has happened to you as a mom. Um, one day when William's like four, and uh, this is just a small example of how he teaches me. Um, it was time for a bath. And I said, okay, honey, it's time for your bath. It's your regular time. Let's go. And he didn't stomp his foot this time. He didn't run the other way, which are all things that I could reactively, you know, as a parent at the time without the tools, reactively deal with, you know, I knew what to do, like chase him. Yeah. But on this particular day, he laughed at me and I didn't know what to do with that. I mean, he just, I had no uh, credibility. And, um, and I remember I went to our family therapist that week and I said, I- I'm stuck now. You know, this is what's going on. And he right away said, tell me about what happens at bedtime. And I said, I read him a story, of course. And he said, what happens when he asks you to keep going? Because they always do. Yeah. And I said, oh, well, I tell him, okay, one more page and then it's nighttime for you. So I set my limits. And he said, no, you don't. I don't want you to give him another page when he asks. You can give it to him. If he's been a really good boy and eat all his greens, so you can say, honey, we're almost at the end of the chapter, but I'm going to add an extra page for you um, because you've been so great with eating your greens at dinner. But if he asks, you got to hold that boundary and that structure for him because you're the mom and you say, no, it is best for you for your safety that you go to sleep and I know it's good for you. So I tried it the very next day. Our relationship moved forward, leaps. So what he showed me was, Trust my own instincts. Stand for the loving truth. Do not be afraid of the tension moment. Don't be bullied over by somebody else's stronger. I mean, my son's only six, but I felt like, okay. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) So yeah, he's a big part. And I'm very thankful. And he's still he's 22. And he still teaches me to this day. Don't these kids just teach us every day, every day,
0: always something new. I'm you like, you little mirror, just stop. Just for five minutes, just stop mirroring something back to me that needs to be addressed.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so. it's That's so true. They, and also, you know, relationships, partners, they do it. that. Yes. You know, that mirroring, it's really hard, but really beautiful.
0: Yeah, no, it is that beautiful. <laughs> I, I remind myself, I'm like, I want this. I want to evolve as a human. I've asked for this. Yeah.
1: So this is what I'm getting. Evolution comes with a cost. Absolutely. Keep saying yes. I've been married 33 years. Congratulations. I have packed my stuff and counted the CDs that are mine yes. hundred times, um, you know, because I've been ready to run from the difficult work, but he's my soulmate and my beloved. And he has taught me, I have walked over hot coals to learn about my complacency early on to understand that when I was a people pleaser, that I was creating a dynamic for him that created insecurity in our relationship. And it wasn't until like the ninth therapist, because all the ones before, since he's the melancholic and the broody one, and the one that had a little bit of a temper, they would ask him to count to 10 and move on. And they'd say, they'd pat me on the head and say, and aren't you just so sweet and sparkly? Well, it was finally the last therapist after we met. And he said, Lori, I need to start seeing you one-on-one because you're at the heart of the problem. And I said, that, that could be true. I'm so nice. And everybody, no one says that, you know. Yeah, right. And, and we went back to all the trauma, you know, and all yeah. of the stuff in college and yes. all of this part of being. And this is what I think about. And it comes into career ecology and all my work is the trauma. And according to Gabor Mate, too, in his new book.
0: Oh, so good.
1: Right. Um, he says trauma is any moment that you cannot show up authentically as you are. So if you're not showing up authentically as you are, then what are you doing? Well, you're abandoning self. Yeah. So if we're upset with others abandoning us, but we're abandoning ourselves first, yeah. that is the scariest most central level of abandonment, right?
0: Yes. Mm. Yes. Oh, that hits.
1: Right? <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. So
0: when you work with somebody, walk us through that process
1: yes so i'm moving I, i'm really at a cusp right now where i'm still weaving in the recruitment which still has always been so nurturing and and real you know so i might talk to somebody about a role that's a vp role but i can tell within the first five minutes that they need to cry you know and, they, and right. they oh, isn't that the truth oh. it's, and it doesn't matter man or woman everybody that's the thing about the trauma of this world is that we all have our masculine and feminine in us and this division that we have between humans and earth you know our own thinking and feeling self. All we want is to come back into this love affair, this union together. So I find myself, um, no matter if it's career ecology, which I'm really scout. I can feel the pull right now is to uh, gift people, especially in this trough and this abyss. Imagine on the hike, you know, you fall into the crevasse, or you know, even like you're trying to make it to the mountain and you're you're not even sure the right path or which switch back to take, or is it even a switchback? Like, how do you, how do you even get through this space where you could, um, fall, you could starve. There may be no water. You could be eaten. You right. fully rejected. I mean, this is the interesting thing that I found actually, Jen, is that, is that our nervous systems, you know, they're <sighs> evolving a lot slower than our current world. You know, all the technology, uh, AI coming, all of these things. And our nervous system being ghosted, depending Mm -hmm. on where you are also on the empathy and feeling scale, but really for everyone at some degree, you feel a sense of danger. Like Mm -hmm. I have been excluded. And then that links next. If you're not part of the clan that you will be eaten by that beast at night. Yeah, right. Um, So one of the things, you know, that I'm talking to people about is just kind of acknowledging the trauma and say, Let's look to nature. Let's look to 6.5 billion years of successful evolution to understand, first of all, what you're going through yeah. and to understand some very real and necessary expectations that you should have. But how do you keep your balance amid a world that is so distracted and harmed and hurt that they may not respond to you? Right. And they may not because they simply missed it in the ATS, they missed your application, that happens. Um, or they're too overwhelmed, or they are just they just don't feel the call response they're they're not in that space of like what birds do for each other. You know, out our windows right now, I can hear them, the birds are chirping and they're getting a response back, so they feel safer right now, knowing that their family um, has food or that they will reunite at the end of the day and humans um we forget a lot of these natural tendencies because we're so locked in this masculine thinking reasoning space. So I'm dropping people in through these really beautiful practicals of mindful interviewing. Um, really?
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: things like that. Okay, so <gasps> what
0: would happen in a mindful interview?
1: Mm. first thing I say to somebody is, okay, this is gonna blow your mind, I say to them. I say, but I wanna go ahead and set this up, and let's be clear interviewing and again i've been doing it for 20 years as well as in the middle of the debrief between the interviewer and the interviewee so everybody tells me what's real nobody's pretending you know right right interviewing this is huge interviewing is not a performance not a performance the internet will tell you it is it is actually a service it's actually how can i help you know me how can I help you know me? So when you come into an interview from a place of service instead of performance, trying to make sure that you're heard, admired, picked, selected, invited back, um, what, you know all of these like it's very separating. you're kind of looking at yourself through someone else's eyes. But yep. when you come in, how can I help you know me?" then you're almost like, if you could, you'd be like, "hmm, I'm wanna listen, you know, and tell me, tell me, ask me anything." And what happens also, is that the interviewer, when you come in that state, if they're actually not a skilled interviewer, and I would say only 20% are, you know, the rest are regular humans giving it a go. Okay. Um, you now have bandwidth to stay connected because if that funny question comes through or that aggressive question or that bizarre question or fun, that funny tone of voice, that you'll be more like, oh, you'll notice. And you might say, hmm, okay, this person needs help with that, that was odd but let me lean in and help out. I want to solve this. Um, It is a very significant tool because the ego at every single step of the way is giving you a reason to say, hey, you're failing just like I thought you would.
0: Right, 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 right. Right. And you're helping the person stay in their power and be, this is an equal, right? Like we're having a conversation and you're going to learn about me and I want to not get in, like you're just, you're disarming the second you walk in.
1: Completely. But you know what happens? That ego, and I'm sure you felt it many times. It tries to fight back throughout the whole thing, just letting you know. Yeah. That next step, it's like, you don't need to do this. You you got kids at home. You don't need to be on this mountain. You could be sipping a margarita in the hammock right now.
0: Bonbons on the sofa (laughs) sound fantastic. What are you doing here? And it's (laughs) telling
1: you, hey, you got power, girl. I know you want power. You could turn around. You don't have to do this. So the ego is, I I, I teach mantras the night before an interview. Because the sleep process, whether you're conscious of it or not, the ego is telling you, you didn't prepare enough. You're not good enough. So you wake up already sort of disjointed. So you're doing that Gabor Monte thing. Like you're like, "I'm," you know, he says, okay, I'm separate from self. Like I'm judging. I'm not feeling authentic. I'm not sure I'm good enough. So we teach mantras on both sides of that. And then most critically, this is really fascinating. At the moment of hello, and most of interviewing hellos are, are video hellos now. Used to be phone. And then in person. So at the point of hello, um, the ego, if you imagine a car metaphor, the ego um is making a mad dash for the wheel. Now keep in mind, usually interviewing the heart's not even invited for the trip. Right. right. (laughs) Okay. But in this case, they've been prepared. So the heart is behind the wheel. We started it off this way, and you know what? We have actually the ego in the passenger seat with the GPS doing its part, saying, Hey, turn left point two. But as soon as the hello comes through, the ego makes that mad dash and it opens the car and it throws the heart out and it runs over it like roadkill. It doesn't care. And the ego takes over and everything that's been learned about how to authentically relate is out the window. So I teach people right there. How do you actually keep your heart as sovereign? How do we continue to lead from there with a very active, very strong ego? And thank you, ego. We know you did save us from the tigers back then, but we're in a modern world where I think we're being called as humans to lead from the heart. I think we've always been capable of it, you know, because we're this spectacular type of animal, you know, 100%. With, yes. with our okay. potential, right? Yes, yes. And uh, it's really through gratitude. Gratitude is a, it's a spiritual practice, um, you know, prayer and other things that people do. And gratitude actually has an energy that radiates out from the heart. And if the other person is incapable of receiving it because they're in an ego place and they're just not aware, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter because the person who's offered it, It's food for the heart. It's a bonbon (laughs) for Mm -hmm. the heart. And then that person now comes forward as a human being. What would be a sample
0: mantra that you would use the night before or the, like, Mm -hmm. going into it?
1: You know, I'm going to give you the second one, because this is the one that I tell people that you should say the rest of your life. And it's actually based, again, going back to a principle of nature, 6.5 billion years. Um, And the principle of nature is diversity and cooperation. Okay, so we know that nature requires that in an ecosystem to live. So this mantra is now based in science. And this mantra is, quite simply, I'm a good person and I bring tremendous value to this world. Uh Most people would not admit or agree that that's true of themselves. Or if they say it, they think it's trite. And what I say back is, do you realize that if you do not show up in any moment with your perspective, then you have denied that moment its full diversity and there is no chance for cooperation that really exists to further love and prosperity for all. Mm -hmm. We need you.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So it's pretty deep, pretty ancient stuff.
0: It is deep, but it works. I mean, I use mantras on the climbs. Right. So anytime I was in, there's this, I'm afraid of heights, which is not a good thing. To oh be excited, like climbing mountains. Yes. And we'd have to go over those ice ladders at Everest. Ooh. Right. And I was just like, oh my gosh, because it's not like it's OSHA approved setup. Okay. When you step on that thing, it goes up in the air. Nothing's flat. Everything moves. You feel like you're going to fall 2000 feet to your death. And I'm like, okay, I can. So I gave myself a pep talk and then I selected a mantra and I'm like, the mantra that's going to get me across from here to there is a safe step. And so I just repeated safe step, safe step, safe step the entire time so that I could hear it. And then it crowded out any other thought to like leech on and try to hijack my brain. Yep. I got to the other side. Of course, we had a dance party because that's how you shake all the nerves and get rid of it. Right. (laughs) But there is something I did a speech yesterday And the excitement, I love being on stage because I love the energy transfer Mm. with people. But at the same time, like I could feel myself getting anxious.
1: Mm -hmm. And so
0: like my throat was in, my heart was in my throat. I'm like, okay. Okay. I'm going to swallow my heart. So it's going to go back (laughs) into my chest. And I was selected to be a vessel for knowledge for these people. So whatever flows through me is for the benefit of everybody here. And so anytime I started feeling my throat, try to like my heart trying to be thrown out of my body, I'd swallow it. and be like, I am here Mm -hmm. to benefit all the people that are here. And that's my only purpose.
1: And like, you just have to like,
0: you have to keep, putting yourself back together, right? Because that ego yeah. wants to take your heart and throw it out. It does a hundred percent. Oh my gosh. I love
1: what you said. The mantra thing, I'm, I love this too. I'm so glad you brought that story up. Um, you know, I tell people when I'm teaching about the mantras, I said, you know, once a day, my ego tells me these words, you're an idiot. Yeah. And it's still coming in, but the thing is back about 22 years ago, I remember, it's funny, Gabor Monte says too, like when I was young in my mid seventies, I still, you know, it's like, okay, I this I stuff is them. happening you know, all through time. And about, I remember specifically when it was at, my, at the worst, I was like 22, I had a young child that wasn't sure it was, you know, a good mom. I had my own business as well and may have been around, you know, great recession, all this. And anything I was doing on the the ego was like, you're an idiot, you're an idiot. And, um, and so I started to practice then on my own, my heart having the last word. And so my heart would say, absolutely not. You're full of love and you're doing your best. And I would have to go back and forth sometimes 50 times until my heart voice had the last word. Now you could, if you were like right now, if I'm sitting here and if it started to happen, you would just have to see me go like this. All I would have to do is even shake it out. I don't even have to say it anymore um, because I'm so practiced because yeah. I want my heart muscle. I want my love muscle to lead me in every course and every decision. And I'm still thankful for the ego. I'm not trying to say, don't like you egos. This isn't a battle. Um, but if I really want to thrive and live and be there and be courageous, it ha- this has to have the last word 100% every time mm-hmm. for me. No, yeah. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm.
0: Now in your field, like obviously industry has changed, life has changed. It used to be cold calling, it used to be all of that. LinkedIn, right? Like LinkedIn is where everybody is and that is an important place to be, Yeah, right? Like is not that, tell me about LinkedIn and your perception of that in this whole pursuit.
1: Very, very grateful for LinkedIn. Um, It's really rising right now as a place with the highest integrity for what its purpose was. Um, you know, we can look at Facebook and the original purpose supposedly was to connect everybody so they could be friends. That clearly has not happened. And we can see, too, how Facebook um, originated, you know, out of uh, a very kind of toxic reason. I think initially it was about considering who's hot, who's not. You know, it kind of was born out of <laughs> No. And LinkedIn from in the living room, the gentleman, I'm forgetting his name. I think it's Stephen something in his okay. living room wanted he wanted everyone to have a chance in their careers and he knew that it would be like this six degree seven degree, connections 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 i remember seeing um jeff okay i not going to say bezos not jeff bezos, it's another jeff but um who was the ceo for the longest time of linkedin and he spoke as a keynote um at wisdom 2.0 which was an organization in the bay area do you know this one do you know this company? i do not but I'm, I'm like writing it down right now oh, so I can every year and it birthed because as we moved for this in, towards this huge tech opening at which I lived in the Bay Area for during, and of course, neither my husband nor I, nor I were number two on Google or number two on Yahoo, you know, no. Right. Some um, right. of my friends people. were. <laughs> I know, well, that's amazing. Um, but they, there was a lot of concern um, by very thoughtful humanists about what technology would do um, to people and to relationships. And so this CEO, CEO who's now still on the board you know, he got up and he said, you know, one of our C-suite or one of our you know, highest ranking officers, um, their job is really to almost be like the poet laureate, to be the mindfulness instructor, to make sure that all of us executives keep our eye on our noble pursuits. And that's what I do as a recruiter. And I continue to see it in LinkedIn. Um, I, I find that people are sharing what they need to. We're all humans but mm-hmm. there really is this desire for connection and to help and to, to create a group and to drop in. And so I'm noticing more and more people are coming. And as a recruiter, I can tell you very practically that to help with the ecosystem ideal, to live your wildest, best, most connected life, let yourself be found there. Mm-hmm. Create a profile and feed it. Have it just be a little corner of your garden if you don't like social media or you feel like it's another one that you don't want to have, by the way, I'm not paid by LinkedIn. I don't work for them, <laughs> but I want to say we recruiters scour it like bees coming out of a hive looking for pollen. And it's so fun to be found. It's so yes. great to be noticed, you yeah. know, and the natural world is constantly connecting the flowers. Like Yippee, you saw my pink. So now that bee is helping that whole entire bush have sex (laughs) yeah
0: right right
1: right so that connection's important and linkedin is that for the business world it is singularly that for the business world and i love it and i'm so grateful i'm all over i'm there all the time talking i'll I'll tell you. you Yeah, no. And I'm new to LinkedIn
0: because here's the deal. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a mountain athlete and I really kind of hired myself out of a job years ago. So I wasn't really gone there for work platform needs and my stuff is pretty visual. So I was on the Instagram platforms and things like that. Well, then I was asked to give a speech and they looked and they couldn't find me on LinkedIn. I'm like, yeah, I don't have a LinkedIn. And they're like, we're not hiring you. like, what? Like, okay, fine. So I'll get a LinkedIn. So about a year ago now, I got a LinkedIn account. And of course, when you're new, mm-hmm. you're just you're a little gun shy. And you don't quite know <laughs> and all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And then eventually you kind of get a little more comfortable with it. It's by far my favorite platform. Really? By far my favorite platform. Me too. And yeah. um, the people that you connect to there are just, I don't know, i just they're more my people, I guess yeah. is how I would say. And yeah. it's been so fun because the other platforms – I just haven't been able to build the community around.
1: Yeah, because you know Instagram. If we think about it a little bit more, the person who's coming to Instagram is a bit of um, distract me, please. I have a moment, you know, or let me see how somebody else might be more fabulous than me because I've just. But what's happening on LinkedIn is I really want to learn and connect, and I want wisdom, and I'm out there looking for those connections. So there's a little bit more of this intentionality to recreate the web. you know, I love the stories right now. We talk about this transition that the world's going through. Um, and I think a big part of it is reconnecting the web of life. And that's not only the environmental web, which is broken all over the place, but the human web. And Native Americans talk about the old story of Grandmother Spider and how she created the web for life and how it's been broken up in all these ways in all the modern times. And, and so we're here to kind of try to bring that web back together. And LinkedIn is a huge part with allowing that. Because I could go in there right now and feel that, you know, I really want to see if I can make my way to meet, let's say, Jeff Benzos again. I want to try to connect and see there's a way to um, bring safety, emotional and social that is so easy and so quick that is there a way that I could get this in front of one of his people? So I could go in through Um, Amazon. I could look underneath people. I can do a search for my school that I graduated from in college. I could look who's working there that graduated from my same school, maybe even my same year. And then I could say right out to them, go, Hey, I'm a Bruin. Woo. You know, I see you there doing great work. I have this idea. I wonder, and I can find something, an identity that we both might say, sure. I'll say hello. And maybe that'll make its way to Jeff. Right. Where else is that going to happen? It's so right. awesome. Yeah. It's so
0: amazing. Yeah. And I don't even know how to do it at that level. I mean, I'm like, okay, I don't know how to use LinkedIn. Never mind. Well, it takes you just, I was like, wow. Next time I need to hunt somebody down, I'm finding you and you're going to help me figure that out. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: I'm teaching people right now through career ecology. When you understand, like a scientist, like a, like a, you know, a bioscientist PhD, when you get how easy it is, you just have to know the anatomy. Um, like that movie, the biggest little farm, when you understand the biodynamic nature of farming, um, suddenly it takes care of itself and it becomes quite abundant. So I'm teaching everybody how it works. I'm like, so turn it on and then just feed it a little bit of mulch. Come in, just a little bit of (laughs) weeding.
0: I love it.
1: Yeah. It's fantastic.
0: Okay. So you're doing the, you're doing the recruiting still, but it sounds like you're spending a lot of time just helping people live from their hearts, become mindful in their pursuits
1: and own who they are. And specifically through that channel of work. And I have found that I find that sometimes to bring the gift of liberation and so people can be happy Mm -hmm. is to find a significant channel that brings people a lot of uh, fear because they're not adept at it or they feel lost. That can be becoming a mom for the first time. Remember how scary that was being married um your first job graduating college so a very uh, significant transition point is either being let go from work or knowing you need to leave or it's your first time even out of college and so this i wouldn't even call it a system you know what i'm calling it now is I'm career college is a process it's okay. a process of reawakening Um, the ecosystem of your professional world. And it needs to be a responsive resume, not an artifact of the industrial age that's basically like a tag on a couch that says what stuffing's in here. You know, mindful interviewing and awake, learn LinkedIn, be a master, feel amazing, feel that you're the master because you know and understand LinkedIn and how it wants to support you. All of this with live support um, and loving attention. So really anybody that is feeling pain from work, which I would say is 99.9% of us at one point or another. um, Come on, come on over. Let's talk, let's cry and let's make it fun. Let's climb that mountain. Let's get to the top. I love this. (laughs) I
0: love all the things. Okay, so how do they find you? Tell the audience.
1: Yes. So they can find me at www.careerecology. Those two words as spoken and spelled dot com and then i also want to have a special offer for your listeners um and so i'm going to have a slash forward slash podcast slash jd okay for your initials okay yes. so career college so www.careercollege.com slash podcast slash jd and what people will get is a discount on services, free chapter into Way of the Monarch book, which is all about this rite of passage kind of mountain climbing aspects there. Very, very much similar to that. And uh, and then also just the link and the invitation to come in and talk to me anytime on Tuesdays at 4.30 for free. Just come tell me what your questions are and I'll listen and I'll share back. So that's where you can find me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Look at this wealth of knowledge we had today. I took notes. I hope everybody listening has thought about the notes that they need to take, or at least highlighted the moments and the minutes of this podcast so they <laughs> can come back to them at any time. Aww. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you. Thank you too for your bravery in the world. You're very inspiring.